It's time for East Coast Hustle with your host, Reba Magulik. Brought to you by GovTech, your government technology insurance company. Check them out at govtechinsurance.com. And by Accelerate Solutions, providing enterprise security, digital transformation, and strategic consulting. Hi, I'm Reba Magulik, and welcome to East Coast Hustle. For those of you in the DC government contracting space, it's unlikely that you haven't run into my guest here today at some conference or federally focused social event. With over 18,000 followers just on LinkedIn and having worked for household names like Lockheed Martin, Salesforce, the Department of Homeland Security, and now Google Cloud, he may just be the most popular man in DC. You'll never catch him without a big, warm smile to greet you, and he's earned the respect and admiration of some of the biggest names in our industry. He's here because he embraces life's journey, his spiritual life, and has built lasting business relationships. Allow me to introduce you to Daryl Peak, an executive leader to multiple government organizational communities. He currently serves as head of federal partnerships at Google Cloud and actively supports big organizations like ACT, IAC, and AFSIA. Daryl, welcome to the show today. Glad to be here, Reva. Thanks for having me. How do you do it all, Daryl? And what's the secret behind this uh, big smile that you <laughs> always have? We, everybody wants to know. You know, uh, one of the things that I say is that I don't have time, I, I make time. Um, <laughs> it, it really is important to uh, very, put priority on the things that you find important. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, the smile just comes from just knowing how blessed I am. Okay. Uh, I am very fortunate to work in such a great community, uh, be around so many wonderful people, and, and ultimately being able to make a difference. Okay. So that's one of the things that I'm excited about. I'm able to make a difference. I'm able to inspire folks and, and surely able to help to transform uh, the government and is helping uh, the community that I love. Well, I'll tell you, it's very genuine, and I think when you see that, you know it. You know it. Appreciate like, you know there's something special inside, something that drives you, um, something that keeps you moving forward in a ma way that makes you so magnetic. And, you know, I know that you're a humble guy. You don't like to hear all these compliments, <laughs> but truly that is how people feel around you. And um, you're just a force of nature, I believe, in our industry. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And uh, you know what? I, I really, uh, the, the thing that I, I learned a long time ago, and this was when I was growing up, it says that you, when you hit a, a frown with a smile, you tend to win every time. And that's one of the things that I try to do as I engage folks. I really want them to know that I really care. Yeah. Um, I just care naturally. I don't, I don't need to know who you are or your background. It. No, it's yeah. just being you. Exactly. And in this day and age, sometimes I'll put on a smile because I'm like, I might know them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Better to smile at a total stranger, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the folks behind the scenes here producing the show asked me to ask you, Yes. what is the story behind this flower lapel? Thank is there a story there? Yeah, it looks the, gorgeous. The, oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there, there is a little bit of a story there. Um, so I started wearing this uh, a couple years ago. And what happened was, um, you know, being young and being mm -hmm. in an environment filled with senior executives that are making critical decisions, um, you know, it, it, sometimes you get into that fear of imposter syndrome. 
Okay. Really. Can and, you, and, can and, you elaborate on yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. So when you feel as though your contribution may not be making the significant a material impact that you would like to. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things about the flower was that I, I call it my flower power is because I think of the story of Dumbo. Um, Dumbo? Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I like in the story is that Dumbo started out flying with a feather. Mm -hmm. And because he flew with the feather, it had him the, gave him the confidence mm -hmm. to be present that he could fly. Mm -hmm. And there was a point in the story where he lost the feather. That's right. And he felt that he could not fly. Uh -huh. But the feather always acted as a reminder that he could fly no matter which environment that he was in. And that is the flower of power. That's for me, is that no matter which environment that I'm in, I'm always supposed to be there and that I can fly in any environment. Oh, Daryl, I love that. So you kind of teed me up for my next question okay. for you, which is we want to know the story. You know, what was your pathway to success? Where did you start? Did you always know that this is where you were headed? And what led you here? Like, were there, did somebody inspire you in your childhood? Like, t tell us the story of how you got here. Okay, all right. So, so I'll go even further back. Right? Okay. So, um, you know, I was born to a 16-year-old mother who was a uh, honor roll student who had many dreams and aspirations, who was uh, scheduled to go to Penn State University. Mm. And instead, she taught, decided to take care of a baby boy. And I was that baby boy. And uh, being uh, growing up with my mother, uh, and, and we grew up in, in the city of Philadelphia, mm -hmm. uh, there were a lot of experience, uh, a lot of circumstances that we had to interact with. Um, you know, being low income and, and um, you know having to depend on uh, public services it, it was really essentials for me, my brother, my sister mm -hmm. um, to get by. And, and I, I appreciate her strength mm -hmm. and you know just her encouragement throughout that process. Um, I, I will say, as I started to become a teenager and come into my own. As a, as a young person, I had a ton of mentors, um, significant mentors who really helped shape my life. Were they family? Like, how did you attract so, these mentors? Some of them were family. Okay. Uh, my grandfathers were, were very instrumental in my life, both uh, Army veterans, um, you know, passed on now and fought in, in, fought in wars. Um, but one of the things that they both instilled was resilience. Okay. Uh, both of them were handymen. Okay. Uh, so they really knew how to work with their hands, and um, both of them did not complete school. Oh my. So they learned it all on their own um, and tried to provide for their families. So I will say they were inspirations for me, great inspirations for mm -hmm. me. Um, then as I go on into school um, and into the work uh, life, uh, I, I met more mentors and, and those who deposited uh, insights into me and those mm -hmm. who saw the potential mm -hmm. uh, in me. And I, I would say that those have been instrumental in my life and, and I really do carry on and I can hear myself using some of the vernacular uh, that they used around me really? growing up. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> it is just definitely one of those things where you want to be able to get guidance mm -hmm. from those who have seen it and done it before. Mm -hmm. And in that, it helps shape who you are. And that the thing that I told my mentors, I said, how can I pay you back? Oh my. I said, you've been depositing so much into me. How could I be mm -hmm. uh, of value to you? And they said, don't worry about paying me back. Mm -hmm. Worry about paying it forward. So I mentor a lot of, uh, of young professionals, I mentor a lot of youth, in order to uh, pay it forward. And that's mm -hmm. the same thing that I ask of them. So really it is the ability to find value mm -hmm. and not only the, the, the mentee experience, but also the mentor experience. You know, uh, I say this to almost every guest we've had on this show so far, that when you have the hustle, you're just cut from a different cloth. 
And I can't help but think, for you at that age, going through what you went through, to even think to say, hey, how can I pay you back? Because I feel like there's so many out there that would take. You know, you give them an inch, they take a mile. Let me yes. take, take, take. Rather than stop and say, well, how can I give back? Or even be the type of person that would attract those mentors. And like I said, I mean, folks that are cut from that cloth just... That's why I like to ask the story about how you started. Yes. You know, um, was it a bed of roses? What, you know, what were the circumstances? Right. What were the adversities? Because time and again, we find that people with the hustle, they just grab the bull by the horns and, and behave differently. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and my mother, you know, she had that hustle, right? She, uh, clearly. She really, uh, taking care of two big boys and, and, and the daughter, it was definitely um, something that was challenging for a young mm -hmm. mother, but she made it happen. And I, I gained a lot of inspiration from her. Um, and when I think about, you know, just my story in a single parent household, mm -hmm. um, it, it really did help me think about what is the life that I want to have? Okay. And what is the future that I wanted to create? And uh, being so fortunate to have a wonderful wife and two beautiful kids, um, that really did help transform uh, that experience that I had mm -hmm. as a, a child of a single mother mm -hmm. to being a father and understanding the importance of being a father uh, mm -hmm. for my children. Um, the other thing that you asked was, was how did I get here? And it's, it's, it's a really interesting story because I started out at Morehouse College. Okay. Which is a historically black college and university, HBCU. Okay. And I stayed there one semester. Oh, that's it? It was, it was one semester, and it was a, it was a great semester uh, in Atlanta, but it was only one semester. And, okay. and what happened was, um, you know, my, my coming from a low-income uh, family, uh, we weren't able to afford that second semester. Oh. And um, I had to come back home. And oh. I, I talked to folks that said my first government job was at the IRS. So I supported the IRS during tax season in Philadelphia um, off of Roosevelt Boulevard. Okay. And I worked from uh, overnight, so I worked from 10 to 6 a.m., and then I would work at Lord & Taylor uh, from... In the evening, yes, second job. Uh, well, in the morning. Oh, so, so it was really a, a challenge from going from Morehouse and having these aspirations to uh, mm -hmm. now transitioning out of school. And that is when I received a phone call. Mm -hmm. uh, and they said, hi, Daryl. Uh, you know, how are you doing today? I said, I'm, I'm doing fine. Uh -huh. And they said, um, uh, did you receive the package from us? We mailed it to Morehouse. And by then I was gone. And I said, no, um, I'm, saying, I'm sorry, who is this? They said, it's Lockheed Martin. And we wanted to offer you an internship. What? And um, actually, I was, I was stunned. And I was like, I would absolutely love to. Oh. Um, and, and at the same time, I was looking to get back into school. And that's yeah. when I went to uh, you know, apply to University of Pittsburgh. And I went for a tour. Mm -hmm. And there I found out about a program called the Impact Program, which was for mm -hmm. uh, underrepresented communities and, and getting into the engineering program. Mm -hmm. And they required me to go to the summer. And Lockheed said, well, we want you to be part of our summer program. So there was a critical decision that I had to make. Right. And, and really, it comes down to transparency, where I communicated to Lockheed that, I'm sorry, um, I, I am getting back in school right now, um, and I need to go through the summer. And they said, you know what? Just come before the program and come after the program, and we'd be glad to have you as an intern. <gasps> so that was very transformative wow. for me uh, to get into school, and that's when I started out at Pitt in the engineering program. How did they find you? Like, what was their... It was a mentor. A mentor, oh, wow. actually, uh, his name was Daryl Spaulding, and he, uh, you know, 
said, Daryl, you should apply for this internship. They have a great internship program. Mm -hmm. um, you want to go into engineering uh, and computer engineering specifically. And he said, you know, go ahead and apply. And I applied. And uh, yeah, after that first semester, I ended with a three, five or so, three, four, three, five. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really uh, just one of those things about the connection, about the mentorship and where it can really uh, pay back in, in space. Do you also feel that there was somebody looking out for you? Always, always, <laughs> always. Um, so, and, and that's one of the things we, we, we have to be careful about, self-made and what that represents. Can, what do you mean? Because we can say we're self-made, but there are so many people who deposited into us. So yes. I have a, my grandparents deposited in me, my parents deposited in me, my friends, my, my siblings, my, my, my other family members, mm -hmm. um, and even the communities, my, my employers, my, my bosses, like all of them deposited and it provided me an opportunity to have impact mm -hmm. and have significant outcomes in my roles. Of course, that part is my responsibility. Right. But those who contributed throughout that time, that's something that I can never uh, take for granted. Oh, that is just beautiful. What an amazing story. Um, so uh, you have some very strong ideas about relationships. Uh, you mentioned to me your philosophy on the seasons yes. of relationships <clears throat> and friendships. Um, can you please share with us your idea, your ideas? Share that uh, your ideas with the audience, please. Yes. I uh, one of the things that I learned in life is that you know, uh, people come into your life for a reason, a season, and a lifetime. And, it, and are they distinct? A reason, a season, and a lifetime are three distinct buckets? Yes, in, in, in some ways. Um, because what happens is that there are certain aspects of the relationships that change. Mm -hmm. uh, when we are younger, right, there, there are certain things that bring us together. Maybe it's video games, maybe it's sports, maybe mm -hmm. it's school. Um, and, and as we get older, our lives change. So I know, you know, there are folks that are married, that are in relationships, that aren't hanging out with the single friends as much as they right. used to, right? The babies. So, so, so it, it really does depend on where you are in that life circumstance. But there are some people that are just there forever, right? And mm -hmm. usually it's around family. Um, but there are also close friends that you meet along the way that you just are always going to be connected no matter what. Mm -hmm. and, and I just appreciate all those times and those periods. And the, the, the importance is just being able to have proximity and values. Mm -hmm. Because there's trust created out of that. And that's one of the things that I, I talked about during this pandemic mm -hmm. is that the way that we address relationships mm -hmm. is through proximity, right? Being close to one another mm -hmm. and then values. What are the things that we think and we believe? Right. Because that creates trust. So if you say something that, you know, is, is in a line, it's like, all right, great. That's always what we're talking <laughs> about. But if to say something that where we have to have those tough conversations, I know and I trust you enough that mm -hmm. I can receive it with knowing that it's the being delivered in love. And that sometimes is missed in relationships and friendships. So that's where, uh, you know, I find myself just assessing the relationship uh, where it needs to be. And there are some times where you learn about people that's like, I can't necessarily stay aligned with that uh, yes. over time. So those things are important in relationships and friendships. I was going to ask you that, like uh, you kind of touched on it. Are there certain relationships <laughs> that are toxic? And at what point do you try to uh, reach in and repair that relationship mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm. say, this is bad for me and this is bad for them. Right, I need right. to cut this relationship off, ha off. Have you been in that situation before? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I think we all have to a certain extent. And, and sometimes it is around decisions that mm -hmm. you can make or that others have made. Um, it's about you know actions that you, know, you may need to dis uh, distance yourself from. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's about points of view. 
-hmm. where, you know, you can get into a scenario where that point of view just doesn't align with who you are, what you believe. And just understanding that, listen, sometimes there's love, but there's love from a distance. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So being able to create that is very important. And um, I, you know, had a scenario where a friend, uh, you know, just was unsympathetic to certain communities and what they were going through. Oh, I see. And, you know, just having to take a step away um, and just say, you know, listen, we worship you no hurt, harm, or danger. Right. Um, but we, we, we can't necessarily be, because that's not what we live. That's not how mm -hmm. um, we operate. And it, it's very important to just understand what those lines and boundaries are mm -hmm. um, when you're dealing with folks. No, I think that's very wise advice. Um, relationships are everything. Absolutely. Um, and sometimes you have to draw the line when it's not a good one. Mm -hmm. um, this morning, I always say the best thing, conversations happen before <laughs> the cameras start rolling, but this morning you started to tell me about your routine. Yes. And some authors that have inspired you and what your... Uh, routine is in the morning to get that moment of Zen because like I said you, you just have this calm about you and I know we're all in the same hustle mm. it's a mm. lot balancing yes. family and jobs and relationships quite frankly like I said you're a very popular guy and you don't want to ignore anybody but it, yes. it ends up being a lot of balancing so can you tell us about that morning routine absolutely so um, the morning routine started actually um, after a bit, pretty difficult time in, in, in my career, um, you know, uh, you know, one of the, my previous employers was going through a downsizing, and um, I had to, you know, move on to another role um, that was not within in that area. organization. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, actually, outside of that organization. Oh, I see. So, um, it was, you know, very early in my career, mm -hmm. um, and, and at that time, you know, I was winning awards and being recognized and rising star and things of that nature. And what happened was. I just got into a place because I'm like, I got the degrees, I have the accomplishments, I have the background. Mm -hmm. What What is going on? Why am I not I, jumping into that next opportunity? Mm -hmm. And I started watching uh, motivational videos. Okay. Um, Les Brown, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, and the others. And, mm -hmm. and I started reading quotes, a lot of quotes. Okay. And those quotes started to really inspire me and shape my thinking where I can't get down in the dumps because things aren't happening. It's actually setting me up for where I need to be. Okay. That next person. And, yes. And there was one, uh, uh, one speaker, and I can't remember the name right now, but he said, who is your hero? And he says, me 10 years from now. Oh, I love that. And Me 10 years from now is his hero. Yes. That and, and is so cool. As long as you chase that 10-year you, you'll always improve. <laughs> uh -huh. and, and one of the things about the routine is that I started to study successful folks. Okay. Um, and I, I watch videos of successful CEOs, mm -hmm. successful leaders, and they all have certain routines that they, they have. And, and, and one of the things that I came across was you know just uh, books around you know, motivation, inspiration, and, and mm -hmm. outcomes. And Robin Sharma actually wrote a book called The 5 a.m. Club. The Love 5 a.m. Club. Yes, All right, yes. I'm going to pick that up, even though I don't know if I can. <laughs> I may not be able to do The 5 a.m. Club, but I'll try. <laughs> but essentially, it talks about 5 a.m. And, and really starting your day with purpose. Okay. And being able to know what you want to achieve, being able to get your mind ready uh, physically, mentally, and spiritually, mm -hmm. uh, so that this way you can take on the day. Because we all need to recharge, mm -hmm. right? Even though I smile, I, I need to recharge after some days. Some days are harder than others. Of course. And and because of that, I take my walk in the morning. I usually have my headphones. I'm, I'm listening to, you know, just inspirational podcasts, inspirational videos, and also spiritual videos. And, and in that, I'm able to say, you know what, let's take on the day. 
let's take on the mm -hmm. day. So, so that's one of the things that I, I, I like about the routine. Um, and one, the other thing is that it helps you just know how to understand how your day's going to start. Right. Mm -hmm. If I don't do my routine, it, it really does put me uh, behind. I feel like I'm behind. I'm like, I don't I didn't start my day. Right. Um, so that's where I really focus on routine and actually some videos, uh, you know, for the audience are on YouTube that <clears throat> are absolutely mm -hmm. incredible. Um, you know, I watched Tim Cook, uh, mm -hmm. Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, Sundar Pichai, uh, you know, and okay. others that really have pretty interesting uh, times that they wake up, uh, pretty interesting morning routines, and uh, I really did learn a lot from that, and I, that's how I adopted it in my own. We'll make sure to put links. That would be very helpful to listeners. We'll be back with more East Coast Hustle with your host, Reba Madulik, after this brief timeout. For all of my friends in the government contracting business, I want to tell you about a company I know well, led by one of our guests on East Coast Hustle, Kevin Fitzpatrick at GovTech. Kevin and his team are experts in liability issues that face the GovCon industry. Now, back to East Coast Hustle with your host, Reba McGoolin, and today's special guest, Daryl Peake. Can you tell us about a time when you faced, have you ever faced discrimination? And if so, how did you overcome it? And what advice would you give to other people who believe they're victims of discrimination or unfair judgment? Um, yes, I, I, actually, I have in... What happens in those scenarios is that, you know, empathy is an interesting thing. Okay. Because it puts you in the shoes of that other person. Okay, yes. And you just never know where folks are coming from when they express certain uh, prejudice, mm -hmm. uh, when they express racism, um, mm -hmm. or when they express some other negative trait. And being uh, young, black, and gifted, it, you experience <laughs> that from time to time. Uh -huh. And what I realized is that you know, I can't control anybody in this world, mm -hmm. right? Not down to my own household, right? I can't control my kids. Yeah, right? nobody can control um, their kids. <laughs> but I can control my response. Yes. And how attitude is everything. Yes. And that in certain circumstances, it's not you being able to look at it as fight or flight, mm -hmm. but understanding that sometimes you need to just remove yourself from a situation. Okay. And that in the aggregate, I've had so many more positive experiences with people than negative. Mm -hmm. So I yes, I do experience it from time to time, but what I do is utilize it as an opportunity to one, understand that the, there that still exists, right? Right. Um, but secondly, that I'm always controlling my response mm -hmm. and moving on to environments which are conducive, helpful, and help me grow. Yes. And that's where you have to have, when we think about growth mindset, it's not only about you learning and doing and, and, and pursuing, mm -hmm. it's you knowing what you need to walk away from. Yes. And you knowing where you have to evolve from. And that's where uh, I, I tend to go with um, certain discrimination aspects that I've uh, received. Now, there are times where you're in a job where, you know, you just work with a difficult employer mm -hmm. or a difficult manager. And you have to be able to uh, take a step back mm -hmm. because you own a bit of that decision. 
You own the ability to stay or to leave. Mm -hmm. You own the ability to to really have those tough conversations. Uh, one piece of advice that a, a old Army Lieutenant Colonel that I used to work with um, in earlier in my career, he said that you know he always gives praise in public and hell in private. Oh, interesting. And when you yeah. have difficult conversations or conversations where you think that the line was crossed, it isn't an opportunity to just go ahead and broadcast it. I know, uh, you know, social media is popular for, for doing that nowadays. But mm -hmm. sometimes you have to have that closed-door conversation mm -hmm. and where you're able to find common ground and mm -hmm. where each of you are able to understand where, where you are um, with certain outcomes. And, and with that, um, you're able to have uh, trust that's yes. developed as a result because the worst thing that you can do as a leader um, is to you know vocally mm -hmm. uh, you know chastise a, a person mm -hmm. and then expect them to give you their best the next day the next <laughs> week the next year that sounds yeah, um, very practical but I think people appreciate when you have those closed-door conversations it may get a little loud in there right but they walk away saying at least that person did not you know, disrespect me exactly. in front of my peers and in front of others. And I think there, it goes a long way. I know that there are different leaders who have different leadership styles, but I like to lead with empathy. And, mm -hmm. and with that, it is being able to have consideration mm -hmm. for those that you work with and, and having appreciation for those mm -hmm. that you work with. Um, one of the other things that I, I tend to value is that knowing everyone mm -hmm. in my office Right, not just the my peers, not just the leadership, but the janitorial staff, the the, the folks that make it happen, mm -hmm. the folks that create that quality of environment that we all enjoy. Um, if you don't take the time to appreciate those folks, mm -hmm. then you are missing out on the greatest opportunity to be a good human in the world. Gosh, that's so profound, and and it's interesting too when you said. Often it feels like two decisions in the face of prejudice or, or discrimination, fight or flight. Right. But by taking the path that you just described, like a respectful private conversation, hell in private, I also think what's really admirable about that is that it's an opportunity to change that mindset. Absolutely. Right? So you're talking about making an impact. Like right. if I fight or what if I just choose flight, right. I miss a great opportunity to per possibly change a perception about women or minorities or what, you know, pick, pick a category, whatever it might be right. by earning respect. And, and I think that's what moves the needle. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because, you know, when we think about, and this is a difficult conversation for some, but if you think about war, right? Yeah. War is about conflict. Right, mm -hmm. and conflict is created, but the resolution happens at the table, mm -hmm. not on the field. Yes. Right, and and that's one of the things that I, I realize as well is that you know, is is the faster that we're able to get to the table, mm -hmm. the faster we can resolve things. Mm -hmm. But if we just are shooting shots across the bow mm -hmm. about what we feel in our position, mm -hmm. then we never give ourselves the opportunity to sit at the table and resolve the matter. I love that. Gosh, Daryl, you're just like a beacon of wisdom. <laughs> All right, so shifting gears a little bit, um, because of the nature of our jobs, I mean, how often have we run into each other <laughs> at a social event late oh, at I night? Guess, I, think, I think I took a, a picture of you in a conga line. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a good conga line. I'm yes. like, that guy, <laughs> he is having more fun than I am at every event, and I have a lot of fun. Right. <laughs> but um, my question is, because of the nature of our jobs, 
a lot of our work occurs over dinners, yes. late night events, multi-day conferences. How do you balance your personal and professional life? And are there times where you struggle to be a good husband or a good dad? Well, that's a, a very, very important question. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about successful people, mm -hmm. um, you, you typically have certain scenarios where they uh, weren't able to balance both, right? The mm -hmm. professional and the personal. Um, you know, I am very fortunate to have an incredible wife that, you know, really supports me. Um, and we actually met at work. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and after a while, um, we thought it was best for, you know, child uh, raising our children to have her stay at home, mm -hmm. which is a sacrifice in itself. Yes. And, um, you know, being able to do that, communication has been so critical, right? Mm -hmm. When I do have a late night communicating mm -hmm. that that happens or go, do go to a conference and understanding that I may not be able to make a practice or mm -hmm. sporting event. Um, and with that, you know, just being able to uh, really stay engaged. Right, prioritizing mm -hmm. those times, like on the weekends, putting down the phone and making myself available, or uh, being able to uh, really just have those conversations with the family. Um, the other thing that I did, and this was earlier on, is I uh, prioritized coaching my kids. Coaching them? You mean like in sports? Or? Yes, in sports. Okay. So uh, soccer, baseball, football, um, wh whatever <laughs> I could uh, coach. Um, because I was an athlete growing up, um, that really gave me the opportunity to engage with my kids. Now, of course, mm -hmm. I'm coaching a whole team, so I have other kids on the team. But it, it, I think that seeing uh, that part of my kids has been really incredible mm -hmm. and, and celebrating them. Um, but I also prioritize when they do have sporting events, when they have games and things of that nature. I make sure I'm there. Um, I'm the dad bringing the extra chairs <laughs> of the tent. Um, so, so really balancing personal and professional, I think it really starts with valuing as a core principle. Yes. Right? Um, saying that family is, is important to me. And secondly is uh, being able to just make the time. Right, and, and as I said earlier on, it's like not having time, but making time right. is so important, not only personally, but professionally. So yes, there are some later nights, but I will say that um, being able to go on trips with my family, being able to uh, spend quality time with my family is, is one of the most important things to me um, and what I do and enjoy. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think uh, you said something interesting there that your spouse was on board with your yes, job, absolutely. right? And, um, you know, growing up, I always think about my, my dad, you know, he, he took a lot of uh, business trips, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, I told myself as a parent, a working parent, that it's quality over quantity. Yes. Because there are certly those parents that are there 24-7 right. for their children. Absolutely. But it may not necessarily be the best experience right. for the child right. or for the parent. Right. But if you can uh, make those short times together, if it unfortunately has to be a short time together, like you said with your coaching, high quality. For sure. Make it high quality. It's that small thing that your kid, we all have those sweet memories of our parents, that small, teeny tiny thing that they did. Uh, and it means so much to us. Absolutely. It's definitely quality. So I always say, like when people ask me, well, how do you do it? You're a working mom. I'm like, you know, my kids uh, adore me. And I think it's because I'm so happy. And the career uh, helps fuel that happiness. Right. And then you give that back. I'm a better mom because I work, I say. Absolutely. And, and also, I think that, you know, we try to balance out giving our best to our family. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, professionally, we have to show up um, with our best. 
Um, but, yeah. but trying to give our best to our family. Um, actually, uh, one thing that I do, um, and if you follow me on social media, you, you know this, is that I post I see your quotes. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> they pump me up, too. I'm like, yeah, right on. He's right. <laughs> but the other thing that I do um, is that I, because I, both my kids have phones, so I send my wife and my two kids quotes as well. Oh. So this way they get to see that message coming directly from me, and it's, mm -hmm. it's sharing some insight with them. So it's quotes, videos, or just messages letting them know that I love them. Um, being important because some days, as you already know, we leave before our kids are up so and get back when, when they're, they're going to bed. bed. Yeah. yeah. So, so being able to do that, those touch points, I think, uh, are definitely important as well. Oh, I love that. We'll be back with more East Coast Hustle with your host, Reba Magulik, after this brief timeout. On this show, I never promote executive leaders and companies that I don't know well. My friends and colleagues at Accelerate Solutions are truly gifted experts across the company's three service areas, enterprise security, digital transformation, and strategic consulting. Accelerate optimizes efficiency and effectiveness and enhances the security of America's physical and cyber infrastructure, as well as personnel. Agencies as large, complex, and important as the FBI depend on Accelerate. To learn more, visit AccelerateSolutions.com. That's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E Solutions.com. Now back to East Coast Hustle with your host, Reba Magulik, and today's special guest, Daryl Peake. to maintain friendships from your early days. We talked a little bit about relationships and friendships. I think what I'm touching on here, and I find this to be a fascinating topic, is envy. Mm. You know, um, sometimes when you have broken out of the pack and now you're successful, you're everywhere, um, have you sensed a little bit of that or have you been able to maintain original friendships from a long time ago or did you have to cut ties yeah. with fo certain folks? And, and it goes back to uh, the conversation that we had about, you know, just reason seasons and lifetime. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm connected to a lot of people I grew up with on social media. So, so that's, uh, I would say, evident. Uh, I would say that I don't spend uh, a lot of time with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily because there's jealousy and envy, which, you know, if there is, I, I just don't give energy to it, right? So I, I like try that. to yeah. maintain my energy by not necessarily, if there's something said, um, I'll make light of it. You know, it, yeah. you, you hear of those things where, and you could tell when a person says, like, you're everywhere. And you're but like, there's a little bit of, like, yeah, it's not, like, in a yeah. positive. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I say, uh, that is by design. Um, so, so it's really taking a higher road when yeah. you do uh, experience or hear from them. And if, if, if they're not around, I don't really hear it or, or look for it. And, and, and really, it's a couple quotes that um, I, I live by um, and that have helped me uh, throughout my life. And, and actually, two of them by Gandhi. Um, oh. And one is be the change you want to see in the world. Right. Um, the other is live as if you're going to die tomorrow. Learn as if you're going to live forever. Um, and the Wait, third can is, you repeat that last one again? Yes. Uh, live as if you're going to die tomorrow and learn as if you're going to live forever. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. And the third one that I like is from Colin Powell, and he says that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Okay. And being able to just understand when people say, you're lucky. Yeah. 
are you really lucky or were you just prepared for the opportunity that was presented? That's right. And that is the thing that I, I tend to uh, use as my North Star and compass um, and, and interacting with people. So mm -hmm. I, I really just, I know that, uh, you know, I was talking about the secret a little bit earlier. Yeah. Is that what, you know, as you think it, right? If you want positivity, you have to be a positive person. If you want outcomes, you have to be an outcome-oriented person. Exactly. So those things that you do naturally come back to you when mm -hmm. you make them the priority in your life. Mm. Perfect. Um, let me ask you, as, as somebody, I, I mean, you could almost write a thesis on successful people with all the reading that you've done, but for you personally, what has surprised you about success, either good or bad? Right, right. Um, I will say that the surprise is that it, it really does make you more of who you are, right? Um, growing up, I was always happy. I, I was always an extrovert. <laughs> I love to be around people. So uh, now that I have reached a level of success, I love being around people. Yeah. Uh, I love being happy. I love having experiences. And, and, and because of that, you know, there, I know that the bar is being raised, though, right? Is that there is more expectation as a result of the success. Um, oh, but at the same time, um, you're, you're, you're able to step up to the challenge because, remember, the person that I saw was a hero was me 10 years, 10 years in the future. So I, I, that's going to be a good t-shirt for me. I love that. Um, I, I really do take inventory mm -hmm. of how can I bring my best self. So, so one of the things, and this is uh, uh, you know, one of my own uh, personal things that I do, is I grade myself every year. On the what aspect? Thing, yeah, the, the one thing that I, I notice is that we stop grading ourselves out of school, right? Yeah. After you get out of school, the, the idea of AF doesn't really <sighs> play a role, and I don't even think they use AF anymore. Um, but I would assess myself mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, academically, financially, mm -hmm. politically, and, and other aspects as well. And mm -hmm. that would give me the opportunity to say, well, where can I improve? So it's not goal creation as much as it is saying, well, holistically, where am I at? And how can I really achieve the outcomes that I want to achieve? And it changes year over year. Right. That's fascinating. All right, so I've got one last question for you. Okay. And that is, I want to end with where we started. You started to tell me an interesting story this morning about you cutting your lawn. And, <laughs> and you were making that an analogy to life. And uh, I want to hear the end of it. Yes. I want to hear what you were, where you were going with that. OK, fantastic. So, so the way that I think about it is that you know, when we think about our lawns, it usually addresses it annually. So just being able to create an annual strategy or an annual desired outcome of your life. And in that, we're all planting seeds. Mm -hmm. And in life, we're all planting seeds. Every interaction, every connection, that's all being a seed planted. And you don't know if you're going to get the growth that you anticipate, but yeah. all of them have potential. And in that, you know, the environment plays a role in that growth. Sometimes, mm -hmm. environmentally, it can rain. Mm -hmm. You know, you could just have some water that just drips over to, to your yard or, or things of that nature. Or you can help prime the pump where you can water your own lawn. Yeah. Right. You Plant can go read, you can yeah. go learn, you can take classes and things of that nature. But, you know, as you start to grow, there are certain times where you have to 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 really shape what your outcome is. That's cutting the grass. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes you got to cut the grass. Sometimes you can't let it overwhelm because you miss out on other aspects. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I, I also talk about is that, you know, I have a, a small dog, Kiki, and, and Kiki <laughs> likes to go around in the yard. And when she goes around the yard, she messes up my yard, right? And it's like, even, and, and the analogy is, even some people that you love will 
unexpectedly mess up your yard. Yes. And you have to find ways to address those aspects as well. And you, we all have our personal stories, so we don't need to go to, into too much depth. And, and with that, you also need to cultivate and add things as well, mm -hmm. right? Whether that's bringing on other team members or being able to add other people to your life uh, mm -hmm. that provide that value. And I, I cut my grass and people would say, Daryl, your grass is amazing. And I put down fertilizer and things of that nature. And then one day I was going for a walk. Saw so another neighbor of mine, uh -huh. uh, Mark. And Mark, his yard is amazing. Every time I see Mark's yard, I'm like, Mark, your yard is amazing. <laughs> um, and I said, Mark, but... One thing I wanted to ask you, because we started talking about his yard, I said, but the common area also looks great. It looks just, almost just as good as your yard. Yeah. And he said, Daryl, you know what? He says, I believe that we are a, a million-dollar neighborhood. Yeah. And in that, I want to make sure that I can contribute to every time people see the common area, oh. that they see it as a million-dollar neighborhood. I said, Mark, you know what? That's he incredible. takes care of that common area. He takes care of the common area on top of the landscaping. That's and amazing. I said, and he says, you know what, Daryl? He says, I'm not giving all my product to the common area. Mm -hmm. He says, but then when I do have a little bit extra, mm -hmm. he says, I don't mind contributing that extra to the common area. I said, you know what, Mark? That's important. <laughs> um, and I started doing that. Okay. Right? Where I would put down my fertilizer, I would cut down my grass, I would overseed. But then whenever I had a little bit extra, yeah. I would then take that to the common area and treat it so that this way it has the same beauty as the others. And, and, and really what it means mm -hmm. is that we can be the change we want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it, it may not require you to do everything mm -hmm. for a particular um, initiative, but at least you can do something. Right. And, and that's the importance of being charitable, um, being philanthropic, um, and, and really trying to contribute. So that is really important to me, and uh, that is the story of grass. I love <laughs> it. We have common area behind our, and now I'm going to look at it totally differently. <laughs> I'll to tell my husband to fertilize that a little extra. Um, thank you so much, Daryl. Clearly, you understand the hustle, you've got the hustle, you embody the hustle, but. Um, I just feel so inspired having had you here today, and I think a lot of folks who will hear your message will feel the very same way. Well, thank you so much, Raven. I'm inspired by you. This is an amazing <laughs> platform, and I'm glad that I can be a part of it. Thank you, my friend. My pleasure. <laughs>